Praise God, Pastor Mike here. Why don't you join us in prayer? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for this time we're about to have with you, O Lord God, in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that Holy Spirit will minister to every single listener that is out there today, O Lord God. Open their eyes that they may see, open their ears that they may hear, and open their hearts that they may understand your words here today. We praise you, Heavenly Father. We glorify thy most glorious name. And I give this time and this space entirely over to you, Heavenly Father. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Praise God. Praise God again. Welcome to Genesis 1. And as we go into this holiday season, this Christmas season, I want to emphasize the word Christmas, amen, this Christmas season that is upon us, we, uh, we tend to think more and more, we should be thinking more and more about Jesus' birth and why Jesus was born. We can't forget that. There was a need for a Savior because mankind had fallen deeply into sin. Old Testament is pretty, pretty good, you know, at talking about all of the things that, that mankind had gotten himself involved into, in with, with, with the sin and the idols and, and, and sinning. And God would get angry and they would repent. They would sin again. God would get angry and, you know, and judgment on them. And it was just so much that was going on. And um, Isaiah and many of the other Old Testament books talk about the uh, prophesied about the Savior that was coming. So Jesus was indeed needed. And that's why we're here celebrating this season, this Christmas season. The need was there. God could not redeem mankind unless he had someone that was sinless, that could atone for the sins of mankind. We know what Jesus did on the cross for us, but mankind has again turned away from God. And sin is running rampant in our society. Regardless of the work of the cross and everything, you know, mankind again has fallen into such, such, um, such sinful ways that, of course, obviously Jesus is needed to, to come again. And, of course, we know that he indeed will. Jesus is really needed today. So the question is just how close, how close are we, are we, you know, to coming to, to Jesus' return? How close are we? Are we indeed living in the end times today? One would make you wonder, are we living in the end times today? When we speak of the end times today, We're generally referring to the time leading up to the rapture of the church and the seven-year tribulation. However, Jesus, Jesus referred to the end times in a more overarching or more more broad way, and it was spanning actually the time between his ascension to the Father and his return. Jesus was really covering in a really broad, broad category when he said end times. And so he was really talking about that time again from when he ascended to the Father and when he will will return and when he will reign in the millennial uh, kingdom. So based on Jesus' reference, yes, we are, it seems, living in the end times. So what exactly are the end times? That's what we want to get get into today. What are the end times? The Bible prophesies many events that will occur in the end times. These events can be categorized as natural signs, spiritual signs, sociological signs, technological signs, and political signs. Now, when I say political signs, I'm not talking about getting into one party versus another party or anything else like that. I'm talking about politics is very much part of a Christian's way of life because it impacts the way we live as Christians. So don't think that as a, as a Christian, you should divorce yourself from what's going on in the world today because it is because of... It is because of who we are and what impacts we can have on society uh, through prayer and through the movement of Holy Spirit and whatnot that we should indeed be, be tuned into what is happening on the political uh, arena, in the political arena. Again, I'm not siding with one side or the other. I'm simply talking about how 
our politics today, along with technological science and sociological science, how our political science, again, uh, giving us information relative to the end times in which we are living. We can look to what the Bible says about these things, and if the signs are abundantly present, then we can be pretty certain that we are, in fact, living in the end times. So why don't we go to uh, Luke 21, verse number 7. Luke 21, verse number 7. One verse number 7. And it says, And they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be? And what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? And he said, Jesus, and he said, Take heed that you be not deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. Many shall say, many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and the time draweth near. Go you not after them. But when you shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass. But the end is not by and by. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against nation, against kingdom. And great earthquakes shall be in divers or various places, and famines and pestilences and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. Okay. So here he is saying to them, when they ask them, you know, how shall we know? What are some of the things that we will see here? So Jesus is giving them some information right there. He's saying, first of all, take heed that don't be deceived. Many shall come in my name. And we see that today. There are so many that are out there saying that, oh, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. And this is what Jesus says. And this is what Jesus says you should not do or should not do. But yes, though, the things that they are are, are practicing in terms of their of, of their Christian belief system is far from what the Bible is talking about or far from what Jesus is talking about. So don't be, be deceived just because someone is saying, yes, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. What are their actions? What are their preaching? How are they, are they conducting their Christian business? Just what are they espousing? Okay, so we need to make sure, as Jesus said, do not be, be deceived. Many shall come in my name. The time draweth near. Go you not after them. Okay, but then he goes on to say, nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And so we see that those things are indeed coming, uh, going on today. While we shouldn't interpretate every natural disaster, the scripture talks about natural disasters, we shouldn't interpret every natural disaster as a sign of the end times, but an increase in natural disasters seems to be a warm-up, seems to be a warm-up for what is coming next, birth pangs, if you will, of what's coming next. And in the NIV, Jesus called them birth pangs. Let's go to Matthew 24, verse uh, 3. Matthew 24, Verse number three. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Again, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and, di and earthquakes in divers places. 
All these are the beginning of sorrows. The NIV says, all these are the birth pangs. All these are birth pangs, okay? So what he's saying, that the things that we see going on now, it's like, it's like you know, birth pangs or birth pains. Those are the pains that a woman, the labor pains in everyday modern language, that a woman experiences before the baby is born. So it's the beginning. It's the beginning. What we are seeing now is indeed the beginning. And again, and, and now, now this is this is this, um, is Matthew before we read from Luke. But you see again here, Matthew is also making reference to kingdoms shall rise against kingdom, nation against nation, uh, uh, earthquakes and things like that. Right. So he's telling you here here to be prepared that these are the birth pains, if you will. They, this, is, this is like the woman in labor that is preparing to give birth. So these things are indeed coming. And again, also in this particular chapter in Matthew, Matthew is also saying, saying, do not be deceived. Many shall come in my name. So we need to, to be so careful today of how of, of how the body of Christ is, is being perverted from within. Right? The body of Christ is being perverted from within by what is being taught, by what is being accepted, by how the Bible, the word of God is being twisted and altered to fit the, to, to fit a, a cultural needs, if you will, or societal needs. The changes in society, the, the changes in the ungodly society that is so prevalent out there today. But people are trying to rewrite the Bible, if you will. I don't know how many times I've heard people say men and women of God, quote unquote, okay, that are saying that homosexuality is in line with God's will. God loves everyone, okay, and all these other things that are going on, on in life here, okay, in society today. So these are the beginning. These are just the beginning of things that are yet to come. The Bible lists both positive and negative spiritual signs, okay? The Bible lists both positive and negative spiritual signs. In Timothy, we discover that many people will follow false teachers. Let's go to 2 Timothy 4, 2. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 4, and then 2. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Okay. So here again, he's saying here that in, in due season, okay, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Okay. The time will come when people will just not, they, 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 they will not, they will not follow. They will not believe in sound doctrine. They will not believe in truth. The ears shall turn away from the truth, verse, verse four, and shall be turned onto fables. All right. So the truth of the word of God is saying here that the time will come that people will turn away from the truth of God. All right? We know what the word of God is. If you are a born-again believer, Jesus Christ is your holy, is your, is your uh, Savior. All right, Jesus Christ is your Savior, and you've got Holy Spirit in you that is advising you and telling you what's right and what's wrong. You will know when someone is not speaking truth based on the Bible. You will know that. Amen. So again, he's saying there to watch out and to be careful of what you're hearing out there. Today, we see an increase in cultic groups 
her heresy, we see deception and occultism is on the rise with many choosing to follow new age or pagan religions. We see that popping up more and more and more. And there was another article that was out there where, I forget where it was, what state or, or city it was in, but they had a Christmas tree like in the town square and the satanic folks you know, rose up there and they wanted to have a satanic tree placed next to the Christian tree and so forth. Again, on that satanic tree, there's all sorts of upside down crosses and upside down stars, pentagrams and things like that on it. Okay, and, and instead of the town being bold and strong and saying, no, we're not going to accept that, they went along with the program. You see, so we have to be so, so careful because more and more people are, are leading, leaning towards new age and occultic uh, pra practices and religions. But on the positive side, however, Joel prophesies that there will be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You go to Joel 2.23. Joel 2.23. And it says there, Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Everything is in due season, the former rain and the latter rain. And the floor shall be full of wheat and the fats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. If you've had things sort of kind of just taken away from you, so to speak, or maybe you loss of a job, loss of a house. I mean, anything that's bad happened in your life, financial situation, torn upside down, you know, you know, this is what the quote unquote, the locust has eaten, so to speak. So what God here is saying that I will restore to you those years. I will give back to you those times, those years, those months where you lost whatever it was that you lost. God is saying that I will indeed give that back to you. The canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army, which I sent among you, and you shall eat in plenty. You shall eat in plenty. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids. In those days will I pour out my spirit. Okay. So while there are some negative things out there in terms of biblical prophecy of these end times, there are also some, some positive things here, one of which is the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. Okay. And that is beginning to happen more and more today. Along with those signs in the natural and spiritual realms, there, there, are, there are also signs in society. Okay? As far as the spirit being outpoured uh, and so forth there, we, we know that that happened also uh, at the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. Matter of fact, why don't we just go there real quickly. Acts 2, verse number 6. Acts 2, verse number 6. Okay. Now, this is when they were in the upper room and the preceding verses here in this chapter here uh, talks about how they were on one accord in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came as tongues of fire and so on. And, but in Acts chapter 2, verse number 6, it says, Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard 
them speak in his own language. And when they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? So they're wondering, how is it now that I'm not from this particular area, but I can hear this man speaking in the language that I speak? Yes, so these are Galileans. How is it that he knows my language? Okay. Parthenians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus in Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia in Egypt and in the parts of Libya upon about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So one of the things, again, prophesied, Joel said like this was going to happen. So here we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. These are one of the, the positive things of, of the end times. We talked about a couple of the negative things of the end times, but also in these end times are positive things that are, that are going to happen. And they were all amazed, verse 12, and were in doubt, saying one to another, what means this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. All right? Again, see, non-believers here. Right away, they see the Holy Spirit in action. They're speaking in other tongues. Right away, they're saying, these men are drunk. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, you men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken. Now, these men are not drunk. These are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, we just read that, what Joel said, okay, what he prophesied. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Okay? So we see here that the outpouring of the spirit is indeed is going on today. And we see the effects of this outpour, outpouring in revivals, and we see it in other spirit-led Christian movements and events, and, the, and in the worldwide, worldwide preaching of the gospel message. Okay, so it's happening now, and this was prophesied to happen. Again, it's more information, more knowledge, more insights for us that, yes, indeed, we are living in the end times. And along with the signs in the natural and spiritual realms, I said before, there are signs in society that we can look out for. The immorality that's out there, the immorality that is festering in society today is a symptom of mankind's rebellion against God. That's what this is all about, okay? I mean, all of this immorality that you see that's going on and all of this, you know, you know uh, multiple sexes, not just the two sexes that God talks about in the Bible. That there's a multiplicity of sexes and you can be any sex that you want to be, depending on the day of the week or whatever it is that causes you to feel like you're something other than how you were born. I mean, all of this stuff is, 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 is immorality that is, is, is in chaos and it's been festering more and more in society these days. Okay, Abortion, homosexuality, drug use child molestation are proof that evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse. And we see that if we go to 2 Timothy 3.1, 2 Timothy 3.1, okay, and it says, now this is, the word of, this is the word of God. That's why, you know, I didn't say this before when I started, but if you don't have your Bible, please hit pause and go get your Bible. Get a highlighter, a pencil, a pencil, and writing paper if you want to take some notes, but you need to see this for yourself. Chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, 
For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, natural affection, natural affection is a man and a woman, a woman and a man, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, in other words, no self-control, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. If it feels good, forget about what God says, just go on and do it. Lovers of, of, um, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Okay? Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Oh, yes, I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. But however, so-and-so-and-so is acceptable by God. But the Bible speaks directly against it, which is God's word. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses. Read this again. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with various lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Mankind has been forever learning. Science and computers and everything, I mean, it's just, you know, increasing, increasing, increasing. But when it comes down to, you you ask that that scientist, does he believe in God? Do you believe that God created the universe? Well, no, it couldn't have happened that way, okay? He can be so brilliant to, 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 uh, uh, to invent all of these things, computers, and able to get us to the stars and to the moon and beyond and so on like that. When it comes down to a basic truth that God is exactly who he said he is and that God created this universe, he will deny it and never come to understand the truth. Ever increasing in knowledge, ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Janice and Jambres and now, as Janice and Jambers withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of, of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs was also. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Out of them all delivered If you're going through a persecution right now, no matter where it's coming from, God will indeed deliver you. This is Paul, of course, saying this. Paul writing to Timothy. Right? Okay, so, 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 I mean, you just hang on. You just hang on. Amen? Okay? Verse 12. Yea, and all that will, uh, and all that will live godly in Christ, Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. In other words, verse 13 is saying, but evil men and seducers shall grow or become worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ. Okay. But the operative scripture I want you to hear there is 13. Evil men and seducers shall grow 
In King James, it says, shall wax worse and worse. It means to grow or become worse and worse. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. All right. Okay. There it is in God's word there. We are now living in a hedonistic. If it feels good, do it. In other words, that's what a hedonist is. If it feels good, just do it. No matter what the consequence of what God or anyone else says about it. If it felt good, you know, if it feels good, just go on and do it. We're now living in a hedonistic and materialistic society. People are lovers of themselves, looking out for number one, as they say, and doing what is right in their own eyes. You know how many times I've heard people say when they're arguing something which is totally, totally wrong and whatnot, and they say, oh, well, if that's your truth, if that's your truth, and that's what you believe, then it's real. If that's your truth. So they're doing whatever is right in their own eyes. All of these things and many more can be seen around us every day. And it's said that they shall grow worse and worse. The fulfillment of some end time prophecies seemed impossible until the coming of modern technology, until modern technology started going and coming the way it is. Some of the judgments in Revelation can be more easily imagined in a nuclear age. In Revelation 13, 15 to 18, we don't have to go there right now, but the Antichrist is said to control commerce by forcing people to take the mark of the beast. Are you familiar with the mark of the beast? And given today's advances in computer chip technology, the tools he could possibly use may very well already exist today. Computers have come so far, science has come so far, that it could make many things that are prophesied, you know, come to become a reality, such as the mark of the beast. And through the internet, radio, through the internet, radio and television, the gospel can now be proclaimed to the entire world. We see that in Mark 13, 10, speaks of that. And there are political signs. Remember I said, not siding with any one side yet. There are political signs. The restoration of Israel to her land in 1948 is the single most impressive fulfilled prophecy proving that, the, that, uh, that we live in end times. At the turn of the 20th century, no one would have dreamed that Israel would be back in her land, let alone occupying Jerusalem. Jerusalem is definitely at the center of geopolitics and stands alone against many enemies. Let's go to Zechariah 12, uh, verse 2. Zechariah 12, verse 2. Right, two, I'm sorry, Zechariah 12. Oops, let's do this again. Zechariah 12, verse 2. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all people of the earth be gathered together against her. Though all people of the earth be gathered together against her. And we see that's what's going on today. We see that that is indeed what's going on today. They're gathered against Jerusalem, but they're going to stand. Jerusalem, the Jewish people of Jerusalem, they, they were the apple of God's eyes, so it says in Scripture there. So you better be careful. You need to be careful that who they're toiling, who they're messing around with here, who, the, who, the, who they're, they're toying with, okay? Because God indeed will not let this go but so far, as simple as that, see? Matthew 24, 6 and 7 predicted that nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Wars and rumors of war are definitely characteristic of this present day age. Again, geopolitics. Okay, these are just a few of the signs that we are living in in the end of this of the age. 
There are many more, many, many more, which I don't have time to get into all. God gave us these prophetic, uh, these prophecies because he does not want anyone to perish. Okay, he's telling us these things in advance so that we will be prepared. He's given us the signs and the things to look out for. He doesn't want anyone to perish. So if you are an unbeliever, non-believer out there, maybe you're hearing this message because God is speaking to you. Time is growing short. Time is growing short. And God does not want you to perish. Not at all. He always gives ample warning before pouring out his wrath. And you can see that in 2 Peter 3, verse 9. Are we living in the end times? Again, that question, are we living in the end times? Well, no one knows when Jesus will return, but the rapture could occur at any moment. No one knows when it's actually going to happen, but the rapture could appear at any moment. And again, the Bible refers to these times as, as birth pangs, the beginning of sorrows, as it says in King James, beginning of sorrows. So we could be indeed, indeed, indeed just, just shades away from, uh, from, the, from the rapture. So what is the rapture? And what is the difference between the rapture and the second coming? Okay, you know, we've kind of mentioned both here, okay, rapture and the second coming. What, what is the difference? The rapture and the second coming of Jesus are often confused. So I want to go through and show you the differences so you can be, be better, um, uh, better, more knowledgeable, I should say, and, and be more prepared. Sometimes it is difficult to determine whether a scripture is referring to the rapture or the second coming. All right? It can be difficult sometimes to realize and understand the difference. However, in studying end times Bible prophecy, it is very important to differentiate between the two. The rapture is when Jesus Christ returns to remove the church, all believers in Christ, from the earth. The rapture is described in, in Thessalonians. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 4. One Thessalonians four. We want to start at verse number thirteen. But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this way, for for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, we which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words comfort one another with these words, okay? We also see mention of rapture in, in Corinthians 15 of um, uh, verses 50 to 40, 54, also talks about the rapture, okay? Now, the word rapture, those that would argue against it, the word rapture does not appear in the scripture there. Rapture actually is a derivative of a Greek word, you know, which means to take away, to lift, and so on like that, which I won't get sidetracked, <laughs> sidetracked into that right now. Okay, but you see there, that's where the rapture is being described. The second coming, we're talking about differentiating now, the second coming is when Jesus returns to defeat the Antichrist, destroy evil, and establish, establish his millennial kingdom. The second coming is described in Revelation. So let's go to Revelation nineteen eleven. Revelation 
And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Now we know from the Word of God who the Word of God is. This is referring to Jesus, of course. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. The armies which were in heaven followed upon, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with, that with it he should smite the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, of course, this is undoubtedly referring to Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, this is talking about when he is returning, the second coming. The rapture is when he takes away the church. The, the second coming is when he returns, okay, to defeat the Antichrist. The important differences between the rapture and second coming are as follows. At the rapture, believers meet the Lord in the air. We see that in 1 Thessalonians 4.17. At the second coming, believers return with the Lord to the earth. Revelation 19.14. The rapture covers, uh, the, rap the rapture occurs, sorry, the rapture occurs before the tribulation. I want to make sure you understand that. The rapture comes before the tribulation. We will not be here. We, the church, will not be here when the tribulation hits the land, okay, when it comes upon the land. The rapture occurs before the tribulation. You can see that in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. The second coming, however, occurs after the great and terrible tribulation. You see that in Revelation all through chapters 6 through, uh, through 19. It talks about that, okay? So the rapture is before the tribulation. The second coming is after in describing the tribulation period, nowhere where the tribulation period is described is the church mentioned. The church meaning the body of Christ, we Christians. Nowhere is it mentioned. Why is it not? Why are we not mentioned in those chapters? Because of the fact we will not be here. Understand that. We will not be here. This is called the pre-tribulation rapture that we're talking about here. There's a pre-trib. Uh, concept and it is a post-tribulation. Some, some believe that the rapture is going to be after the tribulation. Now that doesn't make sense because in line with the word of God, the word of God says that we're not going to be, his church is not going to be here. So how could he come and rapture us after the tribulation when we're not going to be here for the tribulation? Okay, so this is, this is talking about what we call a pre-tribulation rapture. Okay, and we will not be here. We will not be here. Amen? Amen? Uh, the rapture is the removal of believers, as I said, from the earth as an act of deliverance. We shall be delivered. You see that in 1 Thessalonians 4 again. The second coming includes the removal of, the, of any unbelievers as an act of judgment. Okay? The second coming here is an act of judgment. The rapture will be secret and instant. The second coming will be visible to all. All right? Again, the rapture will be sudden and instant. The word of God says in the blink of an eye, we shall all be changed. The second coming will be visible to all. The second coming of Christ will not occur until after certain other end times events take place. And we see those mentioned again in 2 Thessalonians 2-4. The rapture is imminent. It could take place at any moment, according to Titus, Thessalonians, and Corinthians. It could happen any day now. In summary, the rapture is the return of Christ in the crowd, clouds. 
to remove all believers from the earth before the time of God's wrath. The second coming is the return of Christ to the earth, bringing the tribulation to an end and to defeat the Antichrist Christ and his evil world empire. God will indeed deal with sin, either by grace or by wrath. Either by grace or by wrath, God will deal with sin. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Those who do not accept Jesus Christ as their Savior will remain under the Lord's wrath. The good news is that it's not too late to choose eternal life. It's not too late for you. The signs are around us that we are living in the end times. How long those end times will, will last, we do not know, because no one knows when Jesus is going to return. The word of God says that even Jesus doesn't know. Jesus said, it is not for you to know. I don't know. Only my father knows, Okay, meaning God, when Jesus will be given those instructions to go get my children. Amen. Amen. So in the meantime, you stop wasting time. Stop wasting time. You know, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, now is the time. There's no fancy uh, steps to be done. There's no ritual to it. You simply, from the bottom of your heart, if you really, really mean it, you need Jesus in your life. You realize that you can't go on without him. You've, you've tried everything for yourself and it's just not working. Just simply cry out to him and just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I need you. Come into my life as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe and I know that you are indeed the son of God and that you died on the cross for, from, uh, for me. And the word of God says, if you believe, if you believe, if you believe that, that Jesus will come into your life and set you free. It's as simple as that. Repent of your sins, you know, turn away from those sins, change your lifestyle, you know, and accept Jesus into your life. And once you've done that, then you have become a, a citizen of heaven, so to speak, okay? Because now you've been saved, you've been saved. You're a child of God. You're a child of the kingdom. And you do not have to worry about things to come. Jesus will, will come. He will come, that's for sure. And those of us, you, if we're still here when he does, we'll be caught up in the air with him. All right? And, and boy, oh boy, I mean, then it's, it's just happy, just wonderful times, times from there. All right? You don't want to be here to go through the tribulation and then wait upon the second coming of Jesus. Right? You do not want to be here for that. All that is required is, uh, for acceptance uh, is by faith in Jesus Christ. Just accept him as Lord and Savior. He paid the price for you. Don't forget that. So are you ready for the Lord's return? Or will you experience his wrath? Simple question I put to you. Are you ready for the Lord's return? Or, or do you want to tarry and stay here you know, and, and experience the wrath that God will indeed pour out upon this earth? Okay? But the end times, if you look around us, you, know, you, see, you see it's imminent. There are too many things going on that the Bible tells us and prepares us for to ignore it. So as we go further into this Christian season, this Christmas season, I should say, and we're joyously celebrating the birth of Christ, remember that he came approximately 2,000 years ago. He walked this planet. He brought the gospel, the good news, the good news. He brought the gospel with him. He preached the word of God. At the appointed time, he was hung on that cross and he he rose and victoriously and went back to the Father. And now he's telling us through the word of God that he's going to, going to return for us. He's going to return. So Christmas to me encompasses a whole lot. Not only do I celebrate his birth, but also celebrate the fact that he made the way. He made the way for me to be saved through the cross. He made the way for me to be available and ready for him when he comes to pick us up and take us back. Amen. Amen. So, so I pray this message was a blessing to you and gives you something to, to think about as we go into this Christmas season.
Amen. It's a joyous, wonderful time, but really, really, really stop and, and appreciate and understand what this all means to us and what it means to you personally. If you're struggling right now with some things, there's answers. God is there for you. Simply call out to him, cry out to him. And I say to you, you know, trust God because he can and will deliver you. Praise God. Praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And uh, um, if you want to uh, send on, you know, these messages to others or tell them where we can be found, we can be reached at www.genesis1.sermon.net, genesis1.sermon.net. Look at the top of the page. There's a subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button. You'll be notified automatically when these messages are made available. Uh, we're also on YouTube, Genesis One Christian Ministries. Uh, we have free apps for Android and for Apple phones, and they can be downloaded through their respective um, you know, app stores and so forth. Uh, and also, if you're in the uh, Salem, Oregon area, uh, come by and join us. We'd love to have you come by for a live service. We can pray with you, fellowship with you, pray for you, and just enjoy one another's presence in the presence of Holy Spirit. Amen. And we can be uh, found at, we meet at uh, 2651 Commercial Street Southeast, 2651 Commercial Street Southeast. It's in the Candelaria Terrace area of uh, Salem, Oregon. Come by and join us. Our services start at 1030, at 1030. Okay. And again, everything on these websites, free of charge, download these messages, or you can download the audio portion only if you'd like to to play back. Uh, Everything is free. So, um, Again, continue to enjoy listening to us online, but also really come on by and join us live. We'd love to have you, love to see you. Amen, amen, praise God. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I pray that as we go through the balance of the day ahead and the balance of the week ahead, O Lord God, that we shall remember these words, O Lord God. And as we go into this Christmas season, O Lord God, let us... Remember the the wonderful miracles that you've done through the birth of Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, O Lord God. And let us look forward to the time that he shall return. Let us always be ready that we are worthy of him so that we are are not missed, so to speak, when the Lord does come, O Lord. We praise you, Heavenly Father. We magnify thy most glorious name. I pray, O Lord God, that every single listener that is out there today shall heed these words. And if they do not yet know you, that they shall come to know you through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We praise you in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Praise God. Praise God. Go forth and be blessed. And remember always that Jesus is Lord.